This podcast may include adult content. Bound Off is an independent, nonprofit audio magazine committed to paying authors for their work. To join us in our mission of broadcasting great stories to a worldwide audience, please consider dropping us a dollar or two at boundoff.com slash donate. Support for this episode comes from the Loft Literary Center, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, one of the nation's leading literary nonprofits, offering a wide array of online creative writing classes for all levels and genres. Online classes are offered seasonally. Find out how to register at loft.org. Welcome to Bound Off, a literary audio broadcast. In this edition, we have two stories. In a Better Place by Andrew Cothran and Monet's Rabbit by Michael K. Myers. In a Better Place, written and read by Andrew Cothran. Listening time, two minutes, three seconds. In a Better Place by Andrew Cothran. When Benny, our goldfish, died, we buried him in the backyard. Dad wanted to flush him down the toilet, but Marie and I insisted on a burial, and Mom grabbed an old shoebox from the back of the hallway closet. We lined the bottom with cotton balls and placed the little plastic diver from Benny's bowl next to his body, and I cut a couple of holes in the lid with a pair of safety scissors, even though I knew better. We buried him by the dogwood tree. A few days later, Marie told me she wanted to dig him up. I don't think it's right, I said. It'll be fine, she said. I just want to see. And when we got home from school, we took a trowel from the garden shed and started digging. It didn't take long before we reached the box. Marie took off the lid. Benny wasn't in there. The cotton balls and diver weren't either. Instead, inside, there was an ocean. A beautiful blue-green ocean and a beach made of fine white sand. On the shoreline was a large hotel with a parking garage and a golf course and a pool on the roof. Leaning over that hole in the ground, we could smell the salty breeze. There was a young couple, newlyweds from the look of it, standing in the shallows, holding hands and staring at the sunset, their feet getting buried bit by bit each time the waves receded. We watched them for a while, and watched the water, hoping that we'd see Benny swim by, but he never did. Then we heard Dad's car pull into the driveway, and we quickly put the lid on and pushed the dirt back on top with our hands. The following summer... We went on a family vacation to the ocean. Marie and I spent hours walking the beach, searching for shells or lost pocket change in the sand, but no matter where we dug or how deep, all we ever found were empty shoeboxes. Andrew Cothran's work has appeared in Route 9, Drunken Boat, and 1111, and has been nominated for a Pushcart Prize. Currently, he is an MFA candidate and writing instructor at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Monet's Rabbit, written and read by Michael K. Myers. Listing time, 13 minutes, 40 seconds. Down. Reasons differ as to why we climb down, and, and I don't recall why. My woman distrustful of change and liking our nest. We'd spent a lot of time and effort making it just right, made a big stink, and refused to join the kids and me. We were already packed. The strap dug into my forehead from the weight of the pack riding high on my back. When our youngest 
teary-eyed, his arms wrapped around his older brother's neck, whose job it was to carry him, pleaded with his mother. You're going to be all alone up here, he told her, all alone. The only thing there'll be to do all day is watch out for snakes. But, Mom, what are you going to do at night? Well, then she made her, her grumbly sound and began to pound her head against the gnarly limb. Then I lost sight of her. And later the day, um, we were already on the flat, um, still winded, when, when suddenly there she was, leaning against the base of the tree, a sour look on her face. Well, I, I knew she was glad to see us, and so did the kids, who ran over to her and loved her up until her expression changed. And though anatomically as able as we were, call it temperament, call it something, she, re she refused upright locomotion. She just wouldn't stand up. Then no one had the energy to argue her out of her stubbornness, so she just lumbered around the encampment, bent at the waist, knuckles punching the flats hardness into puffs of dust. So, you know, eventually uh, she damaged her back. But because neither I nor the kids had any idea um, what besides ourselves resided on this lumpy um, shroud tangle levelness. Perhaps things worse than snakes, the, the kids felt, and I concurred that until she got better and could run upright or bend, we didn't care that I should carry her. That's all. Carry, I'll carry her. And kneeling, I was kneeling, my woman straddled my neck, and, and I stood up, and her legs were dangling in front, her, her fists fastened onto clumps of fur that remains on my shoulders, just a few. And with the kids trailing, I trotted into the savannah, marked here and there with groves of trees and sorts of edibles. Now all she had to do, I told her, was to, was to hold on and watch out for low-hanging branches. That's it. The blow to her head left her mute, and with a, a right eye that wanders, and to the embarrassment of the kid, it also opened in her an untrapped reservoir of playful spontaneity. Late arrivers, um, seeing my woman playing in, in the mud or, or throwing sticks up and then catching them, um, often laugh and point at her. But then, then I have to get up, go over, and explain to them that if it were not for, for her odd ways, for her playfulness, their skinny asses would be resting on the dirt because it was my woman, I, I told them, who invented the grass mat. And if any of them are still laughing, at that point, I throw stones, poop, whatever's around. Crayon. I want a black jacket, not an orange jacket, like the jacket I have. Yesterday, I partway covered my orange jacket in black crayon. I used, to hold, I used to hold a box of crayons. That's 24 black crayons, but it does not look at all like a, like a black jacket. I know that. If I had the money to buy 100 boxes of black crayons, or 1,000 boxes, and, and I bought them, and I used them on my orange jacket, the jacket would still not look like the black jacket, not like the black jacket I see in my mind. I know that. 
Well, I would be be older after using up a thousand or a million boxes of black crayons, and for sure by then I would be old enough to boss my brother around, my older brother. Well, he'd be feeble by then, for sure, and I could dress him funny and have him do funny things in the front yard and make him cringe by telling him that it is okay for me to wear my crayon jacket and stretch out and get all comfy on his verboten bed. Bullet. Like it's easy for me to look out the window and see my wife bent over, eyes on the ground, looking for a good place to bury me after she kills me. When you shoot me, I tell her, shoot me in the heart, not the face. I make an X on my shirt so she knows where to aim. I use one of those indelible laundry markers. Well, I got the idea from her. She's ruined her best dresses with that damn laundry marker, and she's put an X on on her robe, the one she wears when when she's in the yard, looking down at the dirt, you know, a place to bury me. Front and back, there's an X. Well, then we bought the rifle, shot for it together. It was expensive, but at least the bullet wasn't. I'll tell you, buying that bullet, since we got that bullet, our sex life, it has gone through the ceiling in, in a good way, and neither of us has to wear that stupid fantasy crap anymore, which besides being expensive, made us giggle and run off to take care of our business alone. And when she asked me who I was thinking about when I was taking care of my business, I, I lied. And I told her I was thinking about her. And when, I, and when I asked her who she was thinking about, well, she said the name of my best friend. And, and then clothes flying off. You know, we went after each other with vengeance. Walt Disney's head. Walt Disney's head. Disney? I made a plaster cast of his head. He didn't mind. I mean, afterwards, he said it, it relaxed him, you know, to be entrapped in blackness, all that cool turning hot in his face. It didn't bother him a bit. He told me that. It doesn't bother me a bit. And he said it gave him lots of ideas. He told me that, too. Lots of ideas. Our train had pulled into a siding outside of Cleveland to let 10 miles coal cars inch east, and all this guy wants is to get the hell out of Ohio. And I bet his head was, was even more stuffed with terrific ideas after the plaster came off. Maybe some of the stuff we take for granted was cooking inside that brain of his, Mickey, Minnie. Maybe the almost real-life uh, regression stuff that, and the other comforts available to us on this cruise ship. Maybe they were cooking in there then. Well, my wife, she loves the wings they glued on her, and she wouldn't give them back. She would not give those wings back. I wish I got that kind of kind of kick out of somebody gluing wings on me, or maybe one of those big dicks, or one of the smart brains, you know. Um, but you got to lug around that 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 backpack, that big backpack, you know. And I, I saw an, an old guy staggered around the deck yesterday. He wasn't looking so smart, though, though maybe his struggle was not about the weight of the backpack, but was about the meaning of life and the likes, you know. 
But having all those wires stuck into your scalp, no thank you. And anyway, after you after your half hour is up and the tech guys find you and unhook you, who wants to spend the rest of their of their life being guilty and feel the, the need to deliver a turkey to all those tiny Tims whose whose lives you fucked up? Who? Bodyguard. While scanning my groceries, the checkout guy turns his smarmy face to me and not for the first time asks if I've been castrated. I explain, I explain to him, no. I do this slowly. I say, no, I have not been castrated. Well, he, he goes back to scanning smarminess still on his face. Well, this kid has no way of knowing that I carry a Glock and attached to my belt and inside my jacket additional hurtful items. And because it is the law, I have registered my hands and feet with the proper authorities. I, I possess lethality and triplicate and weigh 250. And yet, yet, when I enter the market, the checkout guy, he yells out, here comes the sissy, here he comes. Well, of course, I fantasize about doing him injury. And if he were to approach me in a sneaky way while I was on duty protecting someone infamous, well, you know, who knows? Well, last night, I dreamed I was made of chocolate. And tomorrow, I'm going to tell that to the checkout guy. Fatso, in the late afternoon... I'm propped up on the sofa, seeking flavor from the innards of a jelly-filled powdered sugar donut and waiting for mom, you know, waiting for her to go back. She's going into the street to, to hire juveniles, urchins, really. And in, in boom times, she could come back with uh, three of them or four, five sometimes. And until scalded clean, it's, it's always difficult for me to determine, maybe mom too, maybe she can't determine you know, their age or their sex. But mom is an excellent instructor, and given a few hours, she can turn those first in the rudiments of juggling into near professionals. And if a youngster is physically gifted, you know, and though lacking any specific knowledge of juggling, mom can instruct them to perform the basics in a similar amount of time. Well, the juveniles that she's heard into the kitchen, I, I can hear her in there. I, I can hear her instructing them and cajoling and offering encouragement in her voice, though muted by the closed door is upbeat, which I think um, must take a lot out of her. It sure would me. Well, in a few minutes, perspirant, tucking stray hairs behind her ear, mom comes back into the living room and flashes me one of her high beam and smiles, which is an invitation, I, I know, for me to, to get up off the couch and help her roll the porta stage from the porch into the living room. So I, I set the half-eaten donut on, on the top lift uh, of, of our puffy sofa and, and then dust crumbles of donut and powdered sugar that cover my chest and my belly, or I try... It's impossible to totally erase powdered sugar off of anything, and, and a smudged swath remains after I try. And it, it mutes to unreadable, uh, the upside-down word some Chinese person screen-printed on my sweatshirt. 
and board a stage in place now. I flop on, on the couch while, while mom, I'm maintaining a supernatural cheeriness, um, props my feet on the pillow so blood won't pool, and then adjusts the spotlight and, and goes and shouts for the kids to get ready. And when she sets the stereo going, one juvenile kicks open the kitchen door, and then they all come out and bound into the living room and hop on the, on the porta stage. And this transformation that mom has just manifested in such a short time is huge. And it, it's huge. I, I almost dropped my donut. And the kids on the porta stage, you know, their scavengers' eyes darting around the living room looking for something to steal, are all decked out in harlequin costumes mom sewed for them. Yellow and green diamond shapes or signature design, which give them an almost um, 18th century look. Almost, I think, Watteau. Almost. And for the entire time, the, that stereo pumps out the upbeat stuff mom likes. And while they're up on that porta stage, tossing and catching the balls, I can imagine, I can, how, how life, I'm, I'm talking about the, the big picture, I'm talking about the concept of it, you know, to some people at least, it must appear urgent and pretty darn sweet. Michael K. Myers teaches in the graduate writing program of the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. His work has appeared in Quick Fiction, Nano, Fringe, Mad Hatter's Review, Ninth Letter, Chicago Noir, The New Yorker, Fiction, and Chelsea. Museums worldwide have presented his performance art. Listener-supported Bound Off is made possible by grants from the Kern Family Endowed Fund. Further support comes from the Google Grants Program. Thanks for listening to this edition of Bound Off. Copyright Bound Off and the respective authors. All rights reserved. Visit our website at boundoff.com for information about our broadcasts and how to submit your stories.